The other day I talked about the fake news about the president tearing America apart. And now we're seeing the unhinged conspiracy theories go absolutely insane. It's not just about whether or not Trump is bad. It's about made up, make believe things these people believe are happening. I kid you not. We have a story of a guy in MSNBC using numerology to try and link the president to white supremacy. We have a story where MSNBC, uh, one, one of their contributors claims that he thinks white nationalists are seeing subliminal messages from the president. And come on, how many stories have there been about dog whistles, about how every single thing someone on the right says is a secret dog whistle that only racists can hear, yet for some reason, it's always heard by the people who claim they're not racist. Yes, this is the current state of things, and it's leading to an escalation in tensions, hysteria and panic of, yes, I have two stories today about absolute hysteria because of these media stories, and it's also leading to an escalation in calls for violence. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Is it going to lead to a civil war? I think some kind of civil conflict is already here. A Princeton professor said it's a cold civil war. So yes, it seems like the fabric of our society is being split, and I don't know what can be done to stop it. Today, let's take a look at some of these stories, starting with the weird subliminal orders that Trump is giving to white supremacist foot soldiers. I kid you not. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, share this video. YouTube is deranked independent political commentary. You, you probably hear me say this a lot, but it's true. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, NBC, etc. They get propped up. We get knocked down. To resist this, we got to go old school. Word of mouth. If you think this video is important, please share it. But let's get to the news. Real Clear Politics reports MSNBC's Malcolm Nance, Trump giving, quote, subliminal orders to white supremacist foot soldiers. Yes, the old dog whistle narrative where they think every single thing Trump is doing is a hidden message. Why did Trump say this word and not this word? Did you know the other day Trump denounced white supremacy? Wait a minute. Why didn't he specifically call it white nationalism? Oh my word. He's dog whistling. No. That's an insane conspiracy theory. It's likely the president just said white supremacy. That's it. But let's take a look at this story. Malcolm Nance said, these people feel that they are the foot soldiers and executors of what the disenfranchised meant that the white race is feeling. And Donald Trump is giving them subliminal orders in their head. They are no different than the mobilized, self-starting, self-radicalized ISIS, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. Now, let me, let me, let me clarify. Real Clear Politics kind of makes it seem like Malcolm Nance believes Trump is giving subliminal orders. What he's really saying is that these people think they're receiving subliminal orders. Not that Trump is doing that on purpose. However, that in and of itself is a bit of a conspiracy theory. To assume that the white supremacists actually think Trump is doing this is a conspiracy. You know, Richard Spencer was on CNN not that long ago. For, you know, CNN wanted to have him on. It was a big controversy. But he said, what Trump is saying is no different than what your racist uncle yells, you know, says when he's yelling at Fox News. So it's not like they think they're getting subliminal messages. This is a conspiracy. Look, by all means, criticize the president. I get it. But we're starting to go nuts. Okay, check this out. From the Daily Caller, MSNBC analyst uses numerology to link Trump's decision to fly flags at half staff to neo-Nazism. Yes, this is where we are. This is where we are. Okay, now let me walk this one back a little bit too. It's still crazy. This guy on the right 
basically claims that because Trump is flying the flag at half staff due to El Paso, and he's going to have them restored on August 8th, that's clearly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's eight slash eight, which is a significant number to white supremacy. I kid you not. That's, that's what MSNBC is pushing, that Trump planned this, that after these horrifying events, Trump said, we'll, we'll, we'll fly the flag at half staff until eight, eight. That's, that's so insane. Look, by all means, maybe, but what Occam's razor suggests Trump just said for three days, we'll have the flag down. And this guy went, oh no, it's happening. Well, there's another viral story today where Tucker Carlson has said white supremacy is a hoax. It's not a real problem. Well, hold on there, Tucker. I understand the point you're trying to make, but you are wrong here. It is a problem. But to clarify what I think Tucker is trying to say is it's not the biggest problem. And actually, that's basically what Tucker said on his show, that the, 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 the entirety of white supremacists in this country could fit in a college basketball arena. He's right. Estimates put it on, on, the, on a high end around 10 to 11,000, maybe 12 or 13, but still not many people relative to the entirety of the US population. While I think it's fair to point out, it's certainly not the biggest problem our country is facing. I do think two things are important to point out. It is a problem. Absolutely. This guy in El, Pas- in El Paso, serious problem. And radicalization is a serious problem, period. Is it the worst problem we're facing? Probably not. I think Iran, a potential war, is much more uh, disconcerting for me. But I am worried about the escalation. And I think we will see more white identitarian, white nationalist violence. So I see the point Tucker's trying to, trying to make. I think we should absolutely call out the threat and problem that is white supremacy while acknowledging there is a point to be made in that this is hysteria we're hearing. When a, when a guy on MSNBC says that Trump flag schedule is a secret dog whistle, when MSNBC says that there are people who, who think they're being fed secret messages by the president, you're kind of going nuts. Take a look at this story, which kind of, you get, you get what Tucker's trying to say. Vox ran a story saying, study, 11 million white Americans think like the alt-right. Are you kidding me, 11 million? It's absolutely absurd. They're extrapolating data about in-group, out-group preference, and then trying to link that to the tiki torch-wielding lunatics that were down in Charlottesville chanting stuff about Jews. That's insane. And this hysteria has legitimate consequences. Okay, we're seeing straight panic. We're seeing paranoia and insanity. Look at this story. Straight pride organizer says white Caucasians founded U.S., her gay son calls parade a dog whistle to white supremacy. I have no idea what they're trying to, to claim here. But let's, 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 <laughs> liberal commentator, Trump's warning that supporters could play tough is a violent dog whistle. Apparently a dog whistle that I didn't hear. Well, maybe it's because I'm moderate. Maybe it's because I'm not one of these Trump people, but apparently the left is really good at hearing racist dog whistles. Here we go. Lightfoot, Chicago mayor, uh, Mayor Lightfoot, I believe it's Chicago, has a dim view of some of President Trump's remarks, saying that what he's been doing is blowing every racist, xenophobic dog whistle. When you do that, when you blow that kind of dog whistle, animals come out. Oh, kind of like Sean King overtly calling for and then praising a terrorist. Is that what they're talking about? How do we get to the point where Trump can say, we're going to put the flag at half, you know, uh, half mast or, or whatever until uh, for three days. And everyone starts shrieking like, oh my God, it's, he's calling for violence. The rhetoric is escalating. 
He says the migrants coming in this country, they're coming by the thousands in an invasion. Oh no, he's, he's inciting violence. And then you literally have Sean King and Reza Aslan encouraging and, and, and inciting, literally inciting violence. You have Reza Aslan saying, you know, uh, t- he calls out Trump supporters. I want to make sure I, I speak clearly and precisely. He says, Trump is, you know, a white nationalist and all the supporters are. This scourge must be eradicated. So take that for whatever you think it's going to mean. I think he's inciting violence and you want to talk about Trump's dog whistles. These things have ramifications. Now we have this story where apparently the Booker campaign is claiming that Trump should cancel his New Hampshire rally because it's a breeding ground for bigotry. Well, this is what we get. Now, I want to stress uh, this video What you're seeing is panic in Times Square because a motorcycle backfired and everyone thought it was a gun and started running and screaming. This is not so much the result of uh, like the anti-Trump rhetoric. I don't want to make it seem like because the media opposes Trump, everyone's panicking. No, we had two shootings in a day and people are panicking. But I do want to stress how this hysteria is, is sweeping over our country. I mean, you've got people who heard a car backfire and they run in panic. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm rolling through the video for those that are listening. There's not really much you can hear other than someone filming saying, whoa, oh my God. But you can actually hear faint shrieking, absolute screams from people because a, a motorcycle backfired, pop, and everyone runs screaming. You know what's really crazy about that? When I was on the ground in Ferguson, okay, there were actual gunshots and there were journalists standing around looking at each other going, those, are those fireworks? And I hear that all the time. Are those fireworks? And I'm critical of it. And here we have Times Square, a car backfires, and everyone runs screaming, thinking it's a gun. I don't, I don't understand how things like this happen. You know, look, maybe you'll need someone to analyze human behavior. But how do you have actual shootings where people are like, are those fireworks? And then a car backfires in Times Square and everyone runs screaming. Regardless, our nation is becoming terrified. They think everything Trump is saying is secretly, you know, they, they think Trump is behind the scenes writing screeds that are like only heard by white supremacists. They're the ones who can hear it. We have these, we, we have, a, we have these shootings emerging. And, and my understanding is like violent crime is down. Shootings are down for the most part, but you have people absolutely in panic. I think it's the media, but unfortunately I'm not done with this story. Earlier today, a man with a weapon was reported in McLean outside of the USA Today headquarters. So what happened? Police swarmed in, SWAT swarmed in, people were evacuated. And then I started seeing these insane tweets from people who are panicking and nothing happened. A man with a weapon, what weapon? We don't know if it was a gun, baseball bat, machete, hammer, no idea. Virginia is also an open carry state. You don't need a permit. You can, you can walk around with a weapon. So my question was, okay, someone reported a weapon. What kind? What were they doing? Is there reason to be alarmed? I have no idea. There's no information. And yet, what do we see? I'm not trying to be mean, but this politics reporter for the Wall Street Journal says, this is such a nightmare in reference to a story from MSNBC about the evacuation. But as it turns out, it is not a shooting. And then we saw this update. Police are suspending their search of the Gannett building after a report of a man with a weapon. Apparently, look, at the time of filming this video, it was just nothing. It was another bit of panic and hysteria. But all of this insanity, this really high tension, we are wound so tight, we are ready to burst. It's bringing us to a dangerous, a dangerous place, okay? For whatever reason, people aren't listening anymore. 
The rhetoric is escalating. The panic is escalating. And I, wanna, I, I, I highlighted these incidents to show you just the, the, the short fuse everyone has, where the news breaks. We don't even know what it was. And people are calling it a nightmare. And they're saying, you know, there's another tweet where they're like, I'm praying for my colleagues. I think it was from the same woman. You have this story from the New York Times where a car backfires and everyone panics. Take that mentality people have and add it to this MSNBC story where a guy is claiming that Trump was secretly signaling to white supremacists because of the, the, the time frame in which a flag would be at, at half mast. And take this story from MSN, where you have MSNBC saying Trump is sending subliminal messages to, his, to white supremacist foot soldiers. And where do you think we go from there? Look, I, I feel like there's going to be a conflict because people are going insane. The hysteria is reaching a point where people have lost their minds. And then we have th- these following stories. I'm going to highlight some stories for you that's, that say to me, we have gone beyond the point of hyperbole, beyond the point of fake news, and now we have willful escalation, calls to violence, stochastic terrorism, etc. Joaquin Castro posts names of employers of Trump donors. That's right. On Twitter, he posted a list of names of people who who donated Trump and everyone got really angry. Why would you do this? You're going to get these people harassed. You're going to get them targeted. In fact, apparently it turns out one of the guys whose name he published and workplace, they're all retirees, I guess, donated to him too. So it shows you that people in middle America, like regular people who are not in politics, they donate to Trump, they donate to Joaquin because their politics middle, middle of the road. And what does he do? He puts them in harm's way by publishing their name. And then he says on an interview, he's like, oh no, you know, it wasn't, it was, somebody else made it. I just shared it. Mm-hmm. But where do you think we go from here? Why share people's names? Honestly, don't know. GOP congressman shot by left-wing activist slams Joaquin Castro over Trump donor list. Lives are at stake. I know this firsthand. And this is minority whip Steve Scalise, who was attacked by a left-wing extremist saying you can't do this. And I agree. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Nobody's listening anymore. MSNBC is putting out insane conspiracies about the president, and they believe Trump is secretly twirling his mustache behind the scenes, writing scripts that only white supremacists can hear, and then publishing the names of the people who support him. Reza Aslan saying, in effect, my interpretation that Trump supporters should be eradicated. How about this one? MSNBC's Nicole Wallace falsely claims Trump talking about exterminating Latinos. Ryan Savedra reports, MSNBC's Nicole Wallace promoted dangerous rhetoric on Tuesday when she falsely claimed that President Donald Trump was talking about exterminating Latinos. Does he have the, uh, the exact quote? Quote, when we have an infestation of MS-13 gangs in certain parts of the country, who do we send to get them out? Ice Trump tweeted, they are tougher and smarter than these rough criminal elements that bad immigration laws allow into our country. Dems, uh, Dems do not appreciate the great job they do. What do you do when, certainly, the last president fought for, sought, uh, sought, and it's not ideal, but had 44% of Latino voters, Wallace said. So politically powerful inside the last Republican administration. President Obama used the power of the presidency to try and pass comprehensive immigration reform with a Latino community, Latino leaders at the table. You now have a president, as you said, talking about exterminating Latinos, Wallace falsely claimed. That's where we're at. And as they say, the lie travels halfway around the world before the truth straps on its boots. And what do we get from then? We get Nicole Wallace tweeting, I misspoke about Trump calling for extermination of Latinos. My mistake was unintentional and I'm sorry. 
Trump's constant assault on people of color and his use of the word invasion to describe the flow of immigrants is intentional and and constant. What do you think comes next? They've said concentration camp. They've, They've repeatedly called everything Trump's done as racist. I don't see it. Maybe I just can't interpret the weird dog whistles. I have no idea. They say that when Trump complains about crime, that's racist. When Trump calls out mass migration, it's racist. Well, it's not like we have flocks of white people from Europe lining up at our borders. So because Trump criticizes the concept of migration, they say it must be racist because it's only this group doing it. One thing that was pointed out by many people on the right was that when Trump complains about rats in Baltimore, if the first thing you think of as black people, maybe you're the racist. When you see dog whistles and everything Trump is saying, maybe you're the racist. And now let me provide for you some important context. These left-wing activists, the white ones, literally say they are racist. They, that, that's, that's, they're projecting. So listen, when you have white progressives on the far left who say all white people are racist and it's time everyone recognizes it, it's because they are racist and they're projecting how they view the world onto all white people not realizing maybe it's just you. But then we can see their racism take form, uh, take, take, take uh, form, different forms. White savior complexes. Yes, it happens to be that, uh, I, I've shown this graphic before on it pulled up. By every racial group, the only group that has an out-group preference, meaning they don't like themselves, is white liberals. They lean in uh, against white people. That's just it. Every other race has a small, uh, small in-group preference for their own race. Hey, that's a problem if you, want to, if you want to claim it is. But then they claim only white people can be racist and thus justifying other racial in-group preferences. It says to me that if you think a certain group is capable of, of, of a thing or you think a certain group based on race is incapable of something, perhaps you are racist and you are basing your, you know, your judgments, your laws, your policies, your passions on race. I think that makes you a racist. I certainly try to judge people based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. But of course, that kind of argument is pointless. I know most moderates and people on the right agree. And I think that's where the split right now in this country is the left and the center and the right. But the reason I, I want to highlight this next point is to, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. It literally doesn't matter. I can say, hey, you're being racist. They ignore me. You can see people of color, Candace Owens, etc accuse people of being uh, on the left racist, and they will say you're wrong. You're lying. They'll call Candace Owens a white supremacist. So where does this go from here? Conflict, chaos, hysteria, panic, etc. Take a look at this story. August 17, Portland protest risk spurs feds, state, local agencies to team up with police. We are going to have a major event in, on August 17th in Portland. I will not be there, but I believe it's going to be extremely dangerous. Many right-wing groups, many left-wing groups, and this is a potential to be a real powder keg. Look at, look at the hysteria we saw. Where did, I, where did I put that tweet? Okay, maybe, I don't, oh, there it is. Look at the hysteria we saw in Times Square with people running and screaming because a car backfired. Look at the insane rhetoric coming out of MSNBC, and now take these people and put them all in one place with weapons, body armor, Molotov cocktails, whatever, you, whatever they're going to bring. Antifa will show up with clubs and bike locks. Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer, whoever else will show up with their fists and fight back. But things are getting to a dangerous point in our society. And I don't know what to do, but I'll tell you this. The conspiracy theories are nuts. How do you stop it? I don't know. Fake news has gone insane. 
Politicians are publishing names. Reza Aslan, Sean King promoting overt acts of terror. I don't see conservatives promoting it. I see, I see like poor statements. I see uh, uh, rhetoric that could push a conversation in a certain direction. But to compare Trump using the word invasion to Reza Aslan saying eradicate them, a bit different. To compare Trump saying we need to solve the migration problem, it's an invasion. Compare that to Sean King saying it's time, we need more, and then praising an individual, you're just wrong. Compare Trump's rhetoric about saying we have a problem with migrants or rats in Baltimore to someone on MSNBC claiming that simply because Trump is raising a flag, it's a symbol, it's a subliminal message. Someone else says, oh, subliminal messages, and they've gone nuts. The media rhetoric has gone beyond fake news. You know, first it was hyperbole. Trump is orange man bad. I kid you not, look at the progression, right? Remember when the story was orange man bad? We're well beyond orange man bad at this point. First, it was just hyperbole. Trump is, is, you know, made a racist statement. Then they said Trump is racist. And they said Trump is the worst racist. Then they said Trump is worse than a racist. I kid you not. Someone actually, I believe it was Cory Booker. I'm not sure. Trump is worse than a racist. They've moved so far beyond just insulting the president. They're making up weird conspiracies now, right? So it's this guy right here on the left. It's actually, I believe it's the same guy from the other story. And MSNBC for years going about Russia and this other insanity that never happened. And here they are doing it again. I don't know what the solution is, but I'll tell you this. It's all falling apart. I'm going to leave it there. You get the point. We've got mass hysteria. It is, it is affecting people more and more. People are panicking. They're calling. They're, they're saying the worst things about Trump. They're making things up. I don't think Trump's a great guy. I do think he's got character flaws. I do think he's, 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 he speaks poorly. But I got to tell you, when Trump calls out a rat problem that was highlighted by PBS, I don't think he's being racist. But now they say it was, and it's a matter of fact. Then people say, Oh, but, but Trump is targeting people of color. I got to say this, and I could be wrong. When has Trump ever specifically called out a race in a negative way? Like this race does this. A race, not a nationality, not a religion, a race. But you know what? I'll make the final point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what our policy positions are. It doesn't matter what we know. It, you know, you can think you're right, but people have stopped listening. The left says calling out religions and nationalities is racist, period. Therefore, the president is calling out people of color. And when you say, I don't see it, they say it's because you're a racist too. I know all the Trump supporters get it, but where does it go from here? Well, the bifurcation of American society. And when words don't work anymore, when the laws won't be passed, the left wants or the right wants, what do you think comes next? I'm making my predictions. I've made it for a while. We're going to start seeing some kind of insurgency. I believe based on the evidence I've seen so far, it's possible at least in a very little bit that what happened in Dayton was the result of an accelerationist who was trying to encourage conflict faster. But two, two shootings in, in, in the span of 24 hours, and it's starting to come into focus, isn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'd like to be, but I don't think I am. When people are evacuating uh, buildings out of, out of fear, when fake news is running rampant and can't be corrected, I think we're going to go into a dangerous, uh, dangerous place violence. Stick around. Next segment will be youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. When news broke the other day about these two shootings, one in El Paso and one in Dayton, I said that because of the manifesto, it's likely that we know the motivations of the guy in El Paso and that the shooting in Dayton was probably something in line. I referred to a concept called a standalone complex where it appears that people are acting towards a concerted effort 
when they're seemingly unrelated. It still kind of is that. But as I read more and as we learn more, I'm now starting to believe that the individual in Dayton, Connor Betts, was actually an accelerationist for the left. In this story from the New York Post titled, Dayton shooter Connor Betts may be Antifa's first mass killer. I think Andy No kind of alludes to this point. I don't know if, I don't think he actually says accelerationist, but he talks about how this guy Connor was far left, was espousing a desire for armed conflict, was saying he wanted things now, he didn't want to have to wait for idiots, and then all of a sudden he carries out this attack. When trying to think about what his motivation could have been, I do think his social media is relevant, as is the social media of any other, you know, uh, mass shooter. And it looks like what was at the core of this individual's mind was socialism, opposing the rich, opposing Trump. And what we've seen is that these past few mass shootings, I I won't go through the list of them, have made references to trying to get things to happen quicker. I believe it's possible. I'm not saying to what degree. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying I'm starting to think based on the information we're seeing, this guy, Connor Betts, his motivation was make it happen faster. Just make it happen faster. Let's read this story, excuse me, from Andy No. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, share this video because I assure you, for one, this video will not be monetized, of course. Uh, and additionally, it will probably be deranked. I want to stress one more point too. It's not related to this video. But David Pakman recently had his channel struck manually by CNN because he was commenting on the debate. So let me just stress, they're coming for independent commentary. If you like what I do, please consider sharing this video. It's the most powerful thing we can do to bypass the restrictions YouTube puts on us and the, the, the attacks from corporate media. Let's read. Andy No writes, over the weekend, America suffered two mass shootings within hours of one another in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. These followed another mass shooting in Gilroy, California, a week earlier. The alleged perpetrators of the attacks were young lone wolf gunmen. All three carried out carnage against innocents using high-powered rifles. I believe that's not true. Uh, My understanding is that in Dayton, Ohio, he was using a handgun modified to function like a rifle with a with a uh, like a hundred round drum or something like something like that. Uh, Andy writes. All told, Santino. uh, I'm not going to read about the guy. Like I I tried to avoid saying the names as much as possible. It is what it is. While the attacks are similar, the response from liberals and leftists has been anything but. Democratic presidential candidates Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders succinctly condemned white nationalism, the ideology espoused by the El Paso shooter in his purported 2,300-word manifesto. However, when it comes to condemning the Dayton shooter's militant far-left views, all remain mum. Others, such as anti-police activist Sean King, even claimed the Dayton shooter targeted blacks in a hate crime though racism doesn't appear to have been a component of his twisted worldview. While Betts, the Dayton shooter, didn't leave behind a manifesto, his extensive social media footprint provides clues as to what may have inspired him. Federal investigators announced Tuesday they are looking into his exploration of violent ideologies. We are now seeing federal investigations, the uh, federal investigators are now considering what uh, this may may be a factor in uh, in his motivation for what he did. Betts had long expressed support for Antifa accounts, causes, and individuals. That would be the loose network of militant activists who physically attack anyone to the right of Mao in the name of anti-fascism. In particular, Betts promoted extreme hatred of American border enforcement. Quote, kill every fascist. The shooter declared in 2018 on Twitter, echoing a rallying cry of Antifa ideologues. Over the next year, his tweets became increasingly violent. Nazis deserve death and nothing else, he tweeted last October. 
That's frequently flung, flung, flung the label Nazi at those with whom he disagreed online. So I'll stop here. And I want to comment on this, por- this point. Is it possible, I'm asking, that what we're seeing, or, or to what degree of probability do you think it's, it's po- probable or possible, that Connor Betts was in this space we, we so often facetiously refer to, where the far authoritarian left call everyone a Nazi? Is it possible that Connor Betts was looking at regular people, consumerism, you know, uh, people at these bars and these places as contributing to a, a system of climate change, of wealth inequality, and of fascism? If they really do believe centrists are fascists, and they do, at what point will someone like this see everyone and think, oh my God, it's all of them? Chris Reagan made a joke video called Punch a Nazi, where a guy is in, in one of the scenes, as he's, you know, it's a music video joke. The guy's in Starbucks and he turns around and all of a sudden he sees all of these people standing there with coffee. And then he says, Nazis are everywhere. Are, are, you know, am I saying that there's an individual who genuinely believes like I've got to stop regular people? What I'm saying is perhaps a delusional and crazy person in a paranoid state starts thinking the Nazis are out to get them because they keep seeing it over and over and over again. I, I, I want to avoid hard speculation, right? So, but I think, you know, exploring this can be important for two reasons, for, for one main reason. As Andy No points out, we're not seeing media condemnation. I made three videos talking about what happened in El Paso. And when I, when I first talked about the shootings, I assumed this guy was also a white nationalist. That is the framing we have in this country. That even someone like me that does my research all day and nonstop, I'm like, I'm leaning towards two white nationalists, right? And it turns out one of them was not. I was wrong. But you can see the bias our culture has. We immediately assume that must be the case. Doesn't necessarily make sense all the time. It doesn't. But that's the bias we have. Thus, we see politicians calling out the far right extremists. We don't see them calling out the far left. In fact, we see them doing the opposite, calling for more, praising the terrorists like Sean King did. And that's what's truly terrifying. So yes, while you know, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is, I think it's important we start breaking down what may be causing an escalation is this guy an example of like how the left is worse than I know? No, 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 no. The point is they're all bad. And if no one calls out the left, it's going to get worse. We know the, the, the white supremacists going around killing people are bad, of course. And everybody agrees. Every conservative and every liberal is condemning it. But when it comes to the left, we see praise from the left. We need to, we need to make sure we call this out. Now let's get to the, to, to the meat and potatoes here. No rights. By December, he reached out on Twitter to the Socialist Rifle Association, an Antifa gun group to comment about bump stocks, and SRA responded to him. Although I don't know if that matters, but in the months leading to his rampage, Betts expressed a longing for climactic confrontation. In response to an an essay by the Intercept writer, Mehdi Hassan titled, Yes, let's defeat Trump, uh, defeat or impeach Trump, but what if he doesn't leave the White House? The shooter wrote, Arm, train, prepare. By June, he tweeted, I want socialism, and I'll not wait for the idiots to finally come round understanding. Last week, he promoted posts that demonized Senator, Senator Ted Cruz and Bill Cassidy's resolution against Antifa extremism. America's historical and contemporary struggles with fringe far-right violence has provided politicians, leaders, and media with blueprints to identify and confront that form of extremism. The national unity in rejecting violent white nationalist ideologues like James Fields and Dylan Roof are emblematic of America's resolve against the far-right. The unanimous rejection of the El Paso shooter's beliefs, including by Trump, once more demonstrated 
the nation's resolve against hard right hate. Yet when it comes to far left violent extremism, there is a gaping blind spot in the mainstream discourse and we are less safe because of it. And beyond that, when Trump came out and said we must come together and condemn hate, bigotry, white supremacy as in one voice, etc., etc., what happened? The New York Times published a headline, Trump urges unity versus racism, and the left demanded they change the headline. To me, this is what's truly scary. This is scary because you may think Trump's response wasn't strong enough. Fine, but he did condemn the hate. They, they pushed the lie about Charlottesville, which, listen, I think Trump did a poor job after Charlottesville of, of talking about what happened. Totally. But to act like Trump said the Nazis were fine people is a lie. We are drowning in the lies. But I think the main problem is it, it comes down to media bias. Where is the condemnation of this guy, Connor Betts? Where, where, like, shouldn't, shouldn't we have someone saying something to the effect of wh- whether or not we, f- we truly figure out his motivation, we must consider his extreme left-wing ideologies and, put, and, and, and calls for violence and encouragement of it and reject that in all its forms. We must content, condemn Antifa violence. Yet what we get instead is a mainstream media with people on the left saying, but the right is worse than Antifa. As if that matters for people like me sitting somewhat in the middle and not being uh, 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 like I, I am the, you know, I, I bring this up often, but people are like, you know, Tim mentions he's mixed race and all that stuff. Let me explain one more time to those who might not get it. I'm too white for these people on the left and I'm not white enough for these people on the far right. And, and I say left and far right because it's the mainstream left that attacks me for looking too white mainstream. It's me talking with everyday activists who have been, I was on a documentary shoot and I was told I wasn't Korean enough to truly understand the plight of minorities. Meanwhile, I have been, my family has been targeted by white supremacists. And then we can see the manifesto in El Paso talking about dirty race mixers. So where does that leave someone like me? Shocked and worried about the psychotic rhetoric coming from far left extremists being ignored or encouraged. Because I see two bad groups. I see one group that is fringe, extremely lethal, but not happening all the time. When it does, it's, 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 it's insane. And we do need something to stop it. But as Andy writes, we have the mechanisms to fight this. The FBI is focused on it. The media is focused on it. Good, great. I appreciate it. But then they act like Antifa is okay. They act like people like this guy's far left psychotic ideology is okay. And then when this guy goes out and kills people, having previously alluded to accelerationism, having previously stated he is arming and training and preparing in response to anti-Trump rhetoric, where is the condemnation? It doesn't exist. And that scares me. It tells me that when things hit the fan, they are going to be okay with those who target people like me. Meanwhile, Donald Trump condemned white supremacy. And I'm not even a fan of the guy. I I think he could do a better job. I'm not going to go on, you know, the point is, why is it that I can make video after video saying things where it's like, you know, I think Trump did a bad job on this. I think his foreign policy was bad. I think he's, he's, he's boorish. I think, I think the way he speaks is, 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 is bad for discourse in this country, the way he debates. And Trump supporters are like, well, we, you know, I, I understand why you think that. And then when it comes to condemnation, I can hear it from Trump's mouth. We must condemn it as a nation. And I'm like, works for me. Great. But then they act like he's encouraging this. No, I have to be honest. As someone who grew up experiencing, you know, uh, being, being targeted 
When I was younger, my family targeted by white supremacists, growing up in a mixed race area, it, and then all of a sudden, around Occupy Wall Street, the left starts coming after me. They start telling me that I'm too white. They, 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 they tell me that my experiences don't matter. And I start getting worried about it. So I look to the leadership and what do I see? I see a boorish man who's crude and crass, who tweets too much, who has bad foreign policy, of which I disagree with and have disagreed with, re, disagreed with since I was a teenager protesting the Iraq war. And he says, we condemn this in no uncertain terms. And I say, okay. And then the left says, but Antifa's not that bad. And then I say, oh my God, that to me is terrifying. I went on a shoot and we were supposed to be talking about police brutality. And I was told by a Korean woman that I wasn't Korean enough to understand the plight of minorities and I had no right to speak about it. I'm told consistently that I'm not really mixed race. Yet when it comes to the leaked discord chats from the white supremacists, they rag on me all day and night and refuse to even listen to what I have to say for being a dirty race mixing global citizen with no national identity. And I've heard it from their mouths and I have no problem calling them out. And I have no problem saying you're wrong and you're crazy and you're, and, you've, and you're going to lose. And then, as Andy No accurately points out, when this guy comes out and does something like this, when Antifa goes out and attacks people, when Antifa attacked a gay child of immigrants, uh, I believe Andy is Vietnamese, many in the media excused it. He should have known better. Antifa's not that bad. That to me is terrifying. An overwhelmingly uh, a white group of pr uh, progressive, privileged, urban ivory tower elites. And I say elite in the sense like I don't believe they're actually sipping sh fine wines. You know, a lot of these people live in squats. But a lot of them do. Uh, at Occupy Wall Street, there were trust fund kids. And this, is, this, this, this should be an easy – you know what? It, it's almost pointless to even talk about this. Because I know that all of you watching me say this are sitting there going like, yep, I totally understand. We, we, of course, we think like we're Americans. Of course, we think the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists are bad. Of course we do. We always have. We were the ones who stormed Normandy to stop it. And then what happens? CNN hosts, activists show pictures of World War II and equate our soldiers who fought to end Nazism in Europe with Antifa, who beat the crap out of a gay Vietnamese journalist and put him in the hospital with a brain hemorrhage, who cracked someone over the head with a bike lock, who throws explosives, who I've personally witnessed knock down an elderly couple, rip the hats off their head and set them on fire. Are they going around with high-powered rifles? Well, they may be now because we had the guy in Tacoma and now we have Connor Betts. We don't know the motivation for Connor. The guy in Tacoma did leave a manifesto. Where was the widespread condemnation? It didn't exist. Sean King praised it. Oh, man. Let's read a little bit more. No rights. Uh, America's historical and contemporary struggles with fringe far-right violence has provided politicians, leaders, and media with blueprints to identify and confront that form of extremism. Oh, I read that. I'm sorry. Uh, beyond banal condemnations of violence, politicians and leaders must work to uproot far-left militant beliefs from mainstream politics. The Dayton shooter promoted the same virulently anti-law enforcement rhetoric that too many mainstream figures on the left flirt with. And yet it was courageous police officers who finally ended his carnage when they shot and killed him outside of the Ned Pepper's bar in, in Dayton's entertainment district. Let me, let me stress something too. They say Trump's rhetoric is encouraging this. Why? Because Trump has referred to thousands of people marching through Mexico from Central America with the flags of their nations as an invasion. I disagree with the rhetoric to a certain extent. I have said, like, look, 
When you have people on trains coming here because they want to come to the United States, invasion is a strong word. They're coming from various countries. They're not necessarily flying the banner of their home country until you see the photos of, yes, people were marching here holding giant banners of their home country. I believe the the invasion rhetoric is hyperbolic. But Trump isn't praising mass shooters and terrorists like Sean King did. It doesn't matter. In the end, it doesn't matter. You know why? The left points the finger at the right. The right points the finger at the left. Right now, there is a tacit alliance between centrists and the right because at least we all agree the violence is bad. We disagree on policy. We have conversations about it. I sat down with Glenn Beck and we got to a point on pro-life, pro-choice where we're just like, we're not going to solve it. But it was with a smile and a handshake because even though Glenn probably finds my politics psychotic and insane, I didn't throw a punch at him. I just said, I just, I just can't get over the, the, the ethical implications of state enforcement. And I don't want to rehash the whole conversation. The point was, we disagreed on very hard moral issues, issues that are so extreme. I've had people send me hate emails calling me the, every name in the book. And that's okay, because it's just words. It's them saying you're a stupid, amoral, liberal, you don't understand, you're wrong, how could you? And I go, well, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, but they're words. You want to come up to my face and, and yell at me and tell me I'm wrong? They're just words. You want to you want Sean you want to see Sean King praise, promote, encourage? Those are not just words. You see Donald Trump say invasion and talk about the border crisis. Well, we do have a border crisis. Everyone is now getting on board and admitting it. Invasion was hyperbolic. It 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 may contribute to an escalation of rhetoric, perhaps, but to act like he's encouraging it, which they're saying Trump inspired. Okay, let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about Sean King. Let's talk about all of the tweets published that were anti-white, all of the tweets that are published that are calling for violence, punch a Nazi, saying more, more, more. And then you get what I think may have been accelerationism. I'm going to leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you then. A funny meme emerged on the internet after someone asked the question about 30 to 50 feral hogs running into his garden and him needing to stop them in three to five minutes. This is a response to a question about why would somebody need an assault weapon? Now, setting aside the phrase assault weapon means basically nothing, or actually legally, as the Democrats are putting it, means basically every single weapon. This individual had a real point. They were asking, how do you stop a group of wild animals running on our property? It's a legitimate question. It actually happens. What we saw, to me, the response, the virality of it, the absurdity, is a good example of how urban elite ivory tower types have no idea what happens in the rest of the country, but they're smug and arrogant and think they do. Not everybody, of course. I'm not trying to say literally everyone in a city. No, but there are enough people who are vocal and arrogant who think they know better trying to pass laws that will impact rural parts of this country, and they don't even understand what they're talking about. It's that arrogance, in my opinion, that leads to conflict, chaos, and things that aren't actually going to solve any problems. Let's take a look at this story from the Daily Mail. And I will tell you about the 30 to 50 feral hogs thing. How one man's bizarre tweet about needing an assault rifle to kill uh, the 30 to 50 feral hogs that strained to his garden while his children play took the center stage in America's gun debate. A tweet arguing that rural Americans need guns in case we need to kill 30 to 50 feral hogs has taken center stage in a bizarre twist to the huge gun control debate in America in the wake of two deadly mass shootings at the weekend. William McNabb of El Dorado, Arkansas, replied to a post from uh, Singer 
Jason Isabel, suggesting firearms are necessary, necessary to control the animals which run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play. Isabel had tweeted, if you're on here arguing the definition of assault weapon today, you are part of the problem. You know what an assault weapon is, and you know you don't need one. Let me just stop there and say it's completely wrong. There was a protest in Washington, D.C., where a bunch of people came out holding signs, and I decided to do a man-on-the-street-style thing where I'd ask some of these attendees what they thought, what they wanted, and why they were there. I saw one woman who was holding up a sign saying, ban assault rifles. I asked her, why do you think we should ban assault rifles? And she gave me her point. And then I said, curious though, assault rifles were never legal in the United States. The law banning uh, fully automatic weapons predates the creation of what we know to be an assault rifle. The definition of which is a rifle with the ability uh, with selective fire, meaning it can do, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a gun person, so forgive me because I know a lot of you probably are, but it can do full auto. It can do uh, a, a burst, a three round burst, or it can do a semi-automatic single shot. That's an assault rifle. And I asked her, like, assault rifles have been illegal this whole time. So I'm not quite sure. Like, were you aware? And she gets embarrassed, folds up her sign and says, please don't use the interview. I didn't. I'm not doing these interviews to get you. Like, I'm not trying to insult people and find dumb people and do these silly interviews. So I didn't use it. I tried to find real people who had a real opinion. And unfortunately, there is a sad reality that a lot of people have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, why would someone need an assault weapon? Well, first, let's talk about what the definition of an assault weapon actually is, and then we can have a legitimate argument about why someone might or might not need it in an urban or rural environment. Let's talk about the 30 to 50 feral hogs and why I'm like, this story is the perfect example of ivory tower elites who don't know anything and assume they know better than you trying to impose laws on parts of the country where they don't live. It turns out, even according, like basically every single story I read that highlights the mockery this man faced over say, uh, saying this points out that, yes, there are groups of, wild, of feral hogs. That, here, let, let me read this. They live in groups called sounders of up to 60 hogs. They are very harmful for farmers because when they eat, they upturn the ground to get things out. Additionally, feral hogs kill more people than sh- sharks every year. It's actually not that much. My understanding, as I read one, one article, it says about 84. But most stories go on to say, the moment you fire the first round, they will scatter and you won't be able to stop them. In fact, it may actually fracture one group into several smaller groups, which will then grow to make up for the lost portion of their group and create more problems. So perhaps an, an AR-15 or assault, rep, uh, assault, assault weapon, I'll do air quotes, isn't the appropriate response. But Let's talk about what the legal definition of assault weapon is as per the current Democrats. When I was at this man in the street, uh, uh, when I was at this this anti-gun protest, it was the March for Our Lives things in D.C. I asked someone who said, they they, they had a sign saying, ban assault weapons now. I said, do you think we should ban assault weapons? I mean, you have the sign, so clearly, like, absolutely. Nobody needs an assault weapon, yada, yada, the whole whole shtick, you get it. And I asked them, do you think that should, uh, do you think that uh, should include handguns, like perhaps a Glock 17, you know, the, the, the handguns that like police use, should civilians not be allowed to buy those? And guess what everyone said? Of course not. No, 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 no. We're talking about AR-15s. Ah, okay. You're talking about something that looks a certain way, because what you're really talking about is a rifle with semi-automatic fire. So if you, if so, so invariably, these people say to me, well, no, of course you should be able to have a hunting rifle. Okay. What's the difference? They didn't know right? 
I'm fairly moderate on gun policy. I'm not opposed to expanded background checks, even though I totally understand law-abiding citizens are not the ones going out and doing this. I think perhaps there's a way we can come up with sound policy that conservatives and liberals would agree upon. The problem, however, that I find whenever I try to engage in debates with people on the left is they're arguing about things they don't quite understand. They, they're, they're not, for the most part, the small business owners when talking about minimum wage, and they're not gun owners, but they're telling you what you should or shouldn't do. And I don't think that makes sense. I'm, I fully understand, though. That, uh, so, so actually, let me say this. I believe there are many conservatives who don't understand the situation in urban environments. And this is the big break. And it's one of the things I liked about Bernie Sanders in 2016 when he said gun control is an urban versus rural debate. He's completely right. I have lived in urban areas, I have lived in suburban areas, and I have lived in somewhat rural areas, somewhat, because like I haven't been in like, you know, the middle of nowhere, Montana or something, but I have been on farmland for a short period of time. And I know full well why having home defense was extremely important. A lot of people don't seem to understand on the left that yes, wild animals are a serious concern. Coyotes, for instance, are all over the country. And yes, feral pigs can run onto your property. And, and here's the point. Perhaps it's not the appropriate thing to do. Perhaps you shouldn't fire around at a feral pig because you'll scatter them and you won't be able to stop them all. But is the implication that this man was asking about, were people seriously implying he was going to go like, and just mow down a wall of 60 hogs? No, Perhaps he could just fire at one purposefully to scare the rest away to get them off his property. That's not completely unreasonable. Additionally, I have lived in areas where there haven't been police departments for the most part. There are, but they're really far away. What do you do when someone comes into your property and is threatening you? You don't have the police to call. Inversely, in urban areas, there are problems with accidental shootings, of which I think that that, that isn't a reasonable argument to be made when talking about gun control laws in big cities. Chicago also has serious problems. Unfortunately, it seems like their gun laws haven't done anything to stop any of the crime. So perhaps they need to sit down and rethink what they need to do to fix this. But ultimately, one of the points, you know, the, the main point I want to get across, you have this story. Feral hogs was made for weird Twitter. An unwitting tweet about 30 to 50 feral hogs was felt destined to go viral, but why? Now, this doesn't really get into the veracity of the tweet, but it's funny because the article talks about how absurd and silly the idea is, but to somebody who lives in a rural area that's plagued by feral hogs and by other wild animals, the tweet seemed totally sound and made sense. You then get a bunch of young, arrogant people posting things they don't quite understand. So let me go back to the March for Our Lives thing. So I, I really want to mention this because I am not a gun person. I have never been a like legalized assault rifles, like give people. The f- I've never been that. I've always been fairly moderate. Like maybe there is a middle ground here. Maybe, you know, I've talked to gun instructors who said we do need to have more regulation. A, 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 there was a national champion. who's like a, 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 a pistol like speed shooter. I can't, I, I don't know exactly what he did, but he told me as an instructor and who worked with police, he felt it was too easy in many circumstances to get certain weapons. And we've got to think about this and we've got to figure it out without restricting anyone's right to have the weapon because it is in in the constitution, we can create protections. And so I'm not an expert. So I just said like, you know what, man, I am not, I am, I am not the person to tell you what we should or shouldn't do. I can, however, as a researcher and someone who reads the news point out, these things kind of freak me out. 
when I see people like, you know, David Hogg and, and, the par- and some of these Parkland kids clearly having no idea what they're talking about, it worries me because we're never going to solve the problem if we can't actually discuss what the weapon is, what it does, and what we're trying to ban. When I was at the March for Our Lives protest and these people said, of course you can keep your handgun, I, I asked them, but you're aware that the assault weapons bill, the ban in Congress right now would absolutely ban all semi-automatic weapons, essentially. And that includes a handgun, like your, your, your run-of-the-mill you know, Glock. And they were like, oh, I, I didn't know that, right? Assault weapon literally is, you know, uh, uh, just a semi-automatic weapon to these Democrats, which brings me to the point of the initial tweet here and how this whole story freaks me out because you end up with people who have no idea what they're talking about advocating policy. Jason Isabel's tweet. If you're on here arguing the definition of assault weapon today, you are part of the problem. You know what an assault weapon is and you know you don't need one. Are you quite literally saying that the police... The, the, you know, the, the standard issue Glock 17, I believe it's what they use. You, everyone knows that's, a, that, that's an assault weapon. That's absolutely not true. People think assault weapon means full auto. You can't buy a full auto weapon. There, there, there are certain uh, ways you can get one. There's grandfathered weapons that are really old. I actually went to an event. Where it's, actually, it's actually happening right now, I think. There's a hacker convention called DEF CON. And they go out into the middle of the desert in the Mojave, and they have a bunch of weapons. And they set up a shooting range. It's a whole lot of fun. I flew a drone. And one guy had a belt-fed, I, be- I believe it was like a belt-fed uh, 762. I don't know exactly what it was. Not a gun person. But yeah, full auto. And it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. So there are certain ways to get these. But for the most part, you have liberals in cities who've never used a weapon, don't know anything about it, believing that they want to ban full auto. You can't get those. Right, the bump stock argument, okay, kind of makes sense, but then you get into the problem of bump firing is a technique. You can just do it. And, and I'll say this too, because again, I am not a gun person. You guys know this. But I was I w- in, in, in genuinely trying to understand the problem and bump stocks. I, I went to a range, I talked to instructors, and I was told a few things. For one, they don't think th- they should be selling bump stocks because it's essentially going to give you uh, full auto. But Bump firing is a technique anyone can just do if they want to. And then they said something that was very interesting to me. More importantly, you would be better off if these insane people did have automatic fire because it's extremely ineffective and, 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 and bad. I was, this was what I was, I was told by an instructor. When you use semi-auto, they're, they're more likely to try and be precise. Pointing, shoot, pointing, shoot. With full auto, they spray and unload the magazine, and they miss. That's why, this is what I was told, I could be wrong, because again, not a gun person, but I was told by this instructor, that's why they use like selective fire, because precision is important. Full auto has its uses, but it's wildly inaccurate. And th- they showed me a video of a demonstration where a guy said full auto is terrible when you're dealing with conflict. And if you had a bunch of these crazy people thinking that was the thing they needed, they would just empty their magazines in, in, into holes in the wall and they would be extremely ineffective. So now you have people on the left acting like it's insane that someone who lives in a rural area would be concerned about 30 to 50 feral hogs, laughing about it, calling it absurd. This whole article from Vice just mocking the concept that anyone might literally have to deal with wild animals. And it's, it, it's, it's really, I guess, it's, I guess I've explained it. It's, it's worrisome to me in that, for one, fine, I get it, it's funny, by all means mock it, but, it, but the fact that they think it's out of the ordinary or that 
it's, it's, it was a silly question and it makes no sense, shows you actually have these people trying to pass laws and advocating for things they don't understand. And that, to me, is the, the nature of politics in this country. Minimum wage, they say, we should increase it so that everybody gets more money, changes nothing of the value of the hour for the individual. I certainly believe in government programs. I am on the left in terms of social policy, except for things that make no sense. And yes, you can argue that like Medicare for all and these things make no sense. I'm not going to argue current iterations are bad. I'm saying that I believe the government can play a role in implementing programs to help fix problems in this country and regulate industry to prevent runaway businesses like Google from taking everything over. So that's why I'm only a little bit to the left. In the end, I believe that one of the most important things we can do is have proper gun etiquette, like uh, training. You know, my, my, I, I've, I, I didn't grow up in a house with weapons, but I did have a dad who explained basic, you know, uh, like some basic things to me because he didn't want me to, to be one of those kids who found, you know, went to my friend's house and they found their dad's gun in the closet and then somebody dies. He said, a gun is always loaded. And he says, how do you know if a gun's loaded? And I would say something, no, no, no. How do you know? I'd be like, uh, you check that. Nope. You look in the, nope. I don't know. How do you know? The gun is always loaded, period. And that's, and that's what he said. And, and, I, and I've watched these, like, you know, you look at the story of, like, uh, I believe it was Bruce Lee's son. And it was, uh, it's complicated, so I'm not going to get into it. But they assumed it wasn't. They put a blank in it. And it actually had a bullet still lodged in the, in the barrel. And that's how he, how he took himself out. There are a lot of people who think a weapon can be unloaded. And of course, it, it physically can in reality. But you always treat it like it is loaded. And, you know, I, I, one thing I always love watching is, and in, in, you, you see this now in a lot of uh, TV shows, is having the finger straight, not on the trigger. They used to not do that in some shows because, like, you know, they just didn't care. Uh, I, I, will, I will make one more point, but I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much done with this video. I just want to make another funny point. When I was in Egypt, they had no muzzle discipline. <laughs> so I'm walking into a state building and they hold their weapons like this. So you literally walk past and I'm like, like ducking under the barrel. Like, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to trust this guy has the discipline not to accidentally go bang and they're holding their guns up. Uh, so you, you, you tend to notice that you point it down. <laughs> At least I will stress this. I've, I, I, I've been to a range uh, twice in my life. I think it's important that if you want to understand something, you talk to people, you understand their perspective, and you try and figure out what their, what, what their experience is so we can figure out a solution. And here's the reality, in my opinion. We have problems with guns in, high, in, in highly packed, dense urban areas. That's what's happening with these mass shooters. They're going into dense urban areas, not rural areas. So there is a conflict here. A one-size-fits-all rule doesn't necessarily make sense for the entirety of the country. I don't know. Like, so, so here's what I see in big cities. Again, leaning left. When you have 50 people, you know, look at Times Square the other day. Everyone's running and screaming. A good guy with a gun, in my opinion, is going to do nothing in Times Square with, you know, several hundred people running in random directions. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. And then when the police actually come in and they can easily identify themselves, you've got mass panic and hundreds of people. Perhaps it doesn't make sense for everyone to be armed. In rural areas, or at least areas with, with much less dense populations, things start to make more sense. One person is doing one thing crazy. They can be easily identified. It's an open area. There's very few people and a good person with a gun can't stop them. There was one story uh, I read about Walmart where one guy said he wishes mo- he wishes his mother was armed. Now this was a densely uh, w- was a dense urban area uh, for the most part, but it's different from something like Times Square in New York City. I don't know where that line is, but I can say 
there are concerns when you're in a city with, with skyscrapers all around you and thousands of people within a few feet. And I can understand why people in a city might say, why would you need that weapon? Not realizing 30 to 50 feral hogs could run into your property when you live in the middle of nowhere and you need to at least scare them away, which a gun can do. They also don't seem to realize, final point, assault weapon, as it's being defined by Democrats, is literally every gun except for like a bolt action rifle, okay? Or, or a lever action or something. Um, semi-automatic is what they're targeting. But these people, like Jason Isabel, think they're talking about a full auto, like doesn't exist. Like you can't buy it. So anyway, I don't know. I'm probably preaching to a lot of people who know way more about this than I do. So I accept that. Let me just stress, I don't know how I did 20 minutes on this. My final thought on this is I wish in this country more people were willing to say something like, you know, I have a thought on this, but before I present my opinion and vote, I'm going to go over to the opposition and hear a steel man argument, the strongest possible reason why they think I'm wrong, and consider maybe there's a compromise, hence why I'm rather moderate, right? So I went to live in a rural area. I talked to the locals who are pretty much conservative, not all white. I asked them, what are your concerns with illegal immigrants? What are your concerns with weapons? Surprise, surprise, people in rural areas where I've been have been concerned about, like, I don't want to get into the full details, but there was an incident where I lived in Florida where there were some guys who happened to be illegal who killed some people. And so they said, the police can't get here in time. We need weapons. We're concerned about illegal immigration. I said, that makes a lot of sense. Why are you supporting, why you're supporting Trump? You want your gun rights and you're scared of the illegal immigration coming in. I totally understand your perspective. Now let's try and expose you to some other ideas. And maybe there's something we can understand about the difference between cities and rural areas. And, and you wonder why, when you look at an electoral map, you see blue cities and red everything else because they live, people live in different worlds. Please, when someone presents the problem, don't mock, insult, and laugh and think you're smarter than they are. Perhaps you are wrong. And, and I'm going to say this to the journalists, to everybody, to this guy just said, Isabel, a quick Google search could help you better understand the perspectives of other people. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel. I will see you there. So a bunch of Trump supporters went to West Baltimore to clean up the trash that was seen in all these videos. And lo and behold, there's, there's actually people mad about the fact that Trump supporters went to clean up West Baltimore. There were, one t- there was, there were some tweets while this was going on saying like, oh, these, these MAGA people are here. You know, what are they doing? As if there was like a nefarious intent as to someone showing up with gloves and pickup trucks and picking up trash. And so I, I saw this story and I thought to myself, what if these Trump supporters actually do have, do have nefarious motives? What if there is, their intent is just to put a, a, a mask over the evil they truly are? And, and I thought about it and I, I was thinking, you know, if every supporter of every politician went out to clean things up in an effort to prove they're like good people or something, I mean, I mean, I guess they kind of are. They're cleaning up trash and making the city look nicer. I really can't find, a, like, is, is it because you don't actually care about it? You just want to look good. You decided to clean things up. Is that you realizing by cleaning up a city and helping your fellow man makes you look good? Like, I don't understand. I, I do not see a circumstance where you could, you could be mad at somebody for doing something like this. I guess, though, orange man bad. Therefore, no matter what orange man does or his supporters, it must be bad. And this is the most mind-blowing thing to me. They have to be opposed to everything. Everything. Like, you, got, you guys watch my content. 
My position is orange man bad, but he's not that bad, right? Not, not that the media says him out to be. I'm not going to oppose Trump's, you know, wanting to secure the border or, or, or fix the problem in the, in, in, the, in the detention centers for the sake of opposing the president. That makes no sense. I want solutions. I, I'm genuine when I say I'm not a fan of the character of this man, nor some of his policies. But that's shown in when Trump says, hey, let's, you know, get the kids reunited with their parents. And then they work towards doing it following criticism. And he does. And I'm like, oh, hey, that's a good thing. Or Trump meeting with, in North Korea, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a good thing. What happens when Trump uh, crosses the DMZ? It's a bad thing. He shouldn't have done it. Now, look, 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 let me stress. During the Obama era, we saw this from conservatives. I'm not going to, look, it just, it, it's an ebb and flow. It comes and goes. And I think most people who kind of understand me tend to be the moderate, you know, rational people who are solution oriented and aren't just zealots. Because I get, look, the, the left right now is totally anti-Trump zealots. Look, by all means, criticize the man. And I think even Trump supporters are welcoming of it. Just have reasons for why. And don't get mad that Trump supporters cleaned up Baltimore. Let's check this story out. This is a heartwarming story. And it's kind of funny because I've got some really bad stories coming up. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do is actually go stage a cleanup of your, uh, on your own. I'm not saying uh, uh, don't you know, do it for Trump. Don't, don't do it for whatever reason. Like, hey, man, there was a really cool viral meme where people went to these beaches and took before and after photos and everybody cleaned things up. That's awesome. Whatever the reason may be, Trump supporter, anti-Trump activist, here's what I want to see. I want to see a bunch of orange man bad shirts next to Trump 2020 shirts with a handshake and people cleaning things up saying, let's set aside the political you know, conflict and do something positive. I, thought, I bet you thought I was going to say share this video. Well, you can do that too. But uh, I think, you know, for this one, we can talk about people doing good things for good reasons. And then <laughs> the liberal media are irritated, Daily Wire says. Let's read. On Monday, a group of Trump supporters led by conservative activist Scott Pressler went to West Baltimore for a massive cleanup operation following tweets sent by President Donald Trump highlighting the dire conditions of the area. While the residents were thankful for the overhaul, well over 100 volunteers came together to remove 12 tons of trash, according to Pressler. The liberal media were uh, irritated. (laughs) The media attacked the activist as an extremist, questioned his motives, and scolded him for reinforcing the tired image that the poor people in this city can't take care of their own neighborhoods. Here are some of the photos and videos from the cleanup effort. I've gone through these, and it's kind of a chronological order, I think. It shows, you know, Scott Pressler showed up. There's garbage. We saw a local Baltimore journalist highlighting the trash, saying it really is bad here. Trump saw it and then made a comment about it, uh, and and he targeted Elijah Cummings for not solving the problem. I don't know what Cummings is doing. I don't know where the grant money is going. I certainly love criticizing politicians because I don't trust any of them. All of a sudden, you have all these Congress people who are magically millionaires on a six-figure salary somehow. Sure, they can make it happen, I guess. Good, Congratulations. I'm not going to rag on them for being rich. I'm going to rag on them for getting grant money and for not solving the problem. Listen, how many years have these Congress people been in office? I'm talking like Nancy Pelosi, Elijah Cummings. A long time. If I was in Congress and I was given grant money for my district or, or, or advocated for it, and then two years later, none of the problems were solved, I would try, try again and say, we didn't get it done. Let's try again. However, after four years and grant money, I wasn't solving the problem. It's at that point I would publicly state, I think my solutions might not be working and I can't get it done. I'm open to advice and I'm willing to step down and allow someone else the opportunity to try to solve these problems. Because you know what? 
I don't have all the answers. I have some ideas and it looks like my ideas aren't working. It's been four years. If then people still say, I will elect you to give you a shot and we go six years, I'm done. If I can't get it done by then, it's like, I'm out. Like the first time is, let, let me try again. I, I, I want to try and do this. Like you give people a second chance. If it doesn't work, then you say, it's up to you, man. Look, I tried. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this weight on you guys' shoulder anymore. Maybe you need somebody else. And if, and if they still think I'm, I'm the right person, I'll give it one more shot and then I'm out. Totally out. I say, no, you don't understand. I failed. We need someone else. We need different ideas. Instead, what we get? Revolving doors, Congress people who are, you know, 10 terms, nothing gets solved. But let's, let's, let's get back to the story. So we can see in these videos, you know, there's locals who, and, and volunteers who are happy, who are, who are, you know, hugging and stuff. Videos of people showing up and cleaning up the trash. Good. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. You want to make the president look good because you're a supporter of his? It's exactly how you do it. I mean, you can't really complain that Trump inspired his supporters to go clean things up. Urgh, these, these evil MAGA types, how dare they come here and clean up the trash and make the neighborhood look better? I mean, it's not really something you should be complaining about because you look nuts when you do it. And yes, they have videos of locals saying, you know, thank you, I want to cry. We have locals, of, and, and, and he makes references to Trump. So let me stress this. Perhaps it was all a trick. Scott Pressler is actually sitting behind the scenes twirling his mustache going, I have a secret plan to make Trump look good. I'll clean up trash in Baltimore. Wow, what, a, what, a, what an evil plan. Could you imagine if the most evil we saw, the most nefarious actions taken place by the true baddies were cleaning up trash in, in a city that's got a bunch of garbage that nobody's cleaning? Like, I'm sorry. Like, if they pretended to do it and didn't actually clean anything up, yeah, that's bad. But I strongly encourage everybody who wants to make their, you know, favorite politician look better to do it this way. You know, I was thinking about this a while ago, and I was thinking about do good marketing. And I'm like, uh, Casey Neistat did a video where they wanted him to, uh, it was about Walter Mitty, this movie. They wanted him to take 25 grand and make an advertisement for this movie. Instead, he said, how about I take that whole budget and I fly to the Philippines and provide disaster relief following a typhoon. And he did. And I thought it was awesome because it did promote the movie. And there was some concern, people saying, man, this is, a, this is exploiting these people just to promote a movie. And I was like, well, hold on. That's kind of cool. You know, I, I want to avoid the overt woke social justice nonsense like Gillette did. But think about this. What if there was like a competition between companies to figure out the best way to, to help people to clean up cities to promote their product. Like, I don't think Coca-Cola cares about any of these people. No, they care about their bottom line. But what if they said the best way to advertise is to make a viral video where we do a beach cleanup? I'd be like, your marketing budget going to hiring people to clean up the beach? That's marketing I can get behind and, and, and root for. Because you're not just spending money on TV where you have this silly commercial where a guy does a backflip and then juggles Coke cans or, or something. I'm making it up. You actually have people just turn a camera on press time-lapse and show them cleaning up and put the Coke logo in the corner. And I'll be like, I, I would, I don't drink Coke, but you know, I would support that effort. The point I'm trying to make is, look, man, I can criticize the Trump's behavior, uh, Trump, uh, the Trump, I can tr criticize the president's behavior. I don't think his tweets of the past week have been conducive for, for unity. I think it, it, it's, you know, it's resulted in a disapproval spike, 100%. He still is seeing really high approval ratings, but I'll tell you what, man, it's exactly how you do it. Because I can't argue against this. And anybody who does is nuts. Let's, re let's read on. Because, uh, you know, you've got before and after. He cleaned it up. He's trying to, look, if his intention was to show Trump supporters are good people, it worked. Like, 
they went and cleaned up a place and did a good thing. Maybe they don't actually care about these people. Doesn't matter. They did a good thing, right? Let's read on. We assume it was pure motives that led a Trump supporter to launch a cleanup in Cummings District, right? A headline from the Baltimore Sun's editorial board snarked. It made for good photos, compelling video, and catchy Twitter hashtags. A group of conservatives rolled their pickup trucks into one of West Baltimore's most impoverished neighborhoods Monday for a cleanup day. Loaded down with trash bags and shovels, they cleared alleyways of old tires, food containers, paper, and other debris. They pulled up weeds and cut away overgrown grass. The group posted before and after pictures on social media showing their progress. Pressler said, the visit wasn't about showing support or animosity for either man. Uh, The paper continued to call us skeptical. Whatever he says his motives were, Pressler's presence in Baltimore reinforces the tired image that the poor people in the city can't take care of their own neighborhoods, the Sun complained. No, how about the neighborhoods being disheveled did that already? And I don't even think that's the case. I think it's a lack of assistance. Some people fall down on hard times and they need help being lifted up. We see it all the time in sports. Someone will try and go for a goal or or shoot a basket. They fall down and their teammate picks them up. And that's what this is. Do I think the poor can't take care of themselves? No, I think they have other things to worry about. Like, are they going to have enough money for food or rent? And their biggest concern isn't how many tires are in the alley. So perhaps there are several things we can do, first of which is cleaning things up because they're busy and working hard on something else. All of a sudden, a bunch of people show up, clean up the trash, and that's taken the load off for a lot of these people and given them something. Look, it's brotherly love. It shows them there are people who are actually going to come and help them. And it doesn't matter what they were trying to do in the end. Congratulations. You're trying to show Trump supporters to be good people. Great. That's how you do it. Let's read on. Real News Network labeled Mr. Pressler a right-wing extremist. Right-wing extremist Scott Pressler organizes a cleanup event. I can't believe it. Um, I can't believe it. I, there is a joke that if Trump came out for oxi- in favor of oxygen, liberals would hold their breath. We are now seeing that. Let me read you this sentence. Right-wing extremist Scott Pressler organizes a cleanup event in West Baltimore. But is this altruism or a political ploy for Trump? Good. I don't care if it's a political ploy. Show that it works, cheer for it, and then you'll have tricked all of Trump supporters into cleaning up trash. My, my, I can't even understand how we get to the point where they're ragging on a dude for doing a cleanup, whatever his motives are. Could you imagine if they were smart? Oh, Trump supporters think they're making the president look good by cleaning things up. <laughs> yeah, but they wouldn't do three cleanups. And then all of a sudden you get Trump supporters all across the country going out and doing community service. I don't, I don't, I, you know what? I was gonna say, I don't get it. No, I'm gonna stop. I totally get it. How insane is this? No matter what they, no matter what a Trump supporter does, they are going to come out and they're going to say it was wrong. Cleaning up trash to make the president look good. Well, the president didn't clean up the trash, but it certainly shows that there are good Trump supporters who are willing to go to poor neighborhoods and give a hand. And, and, and for it, what does the media say? Right-wing extremists. Anyway, stick around. Next segment will be coming up in a few minutes. The next stories are going to get, ugh, now it gets kind of dark. So stick around and I will see you then. They actually wanted to make a movie about liberal elites kidnapping Trump supporters or Republican types, transporting them to a hunting range where the liberal elites would then hunt them down. Now, there's definitely outrage popping up. Advertisements for the movie are being pulled because of what's just happened in the past few days. 
And I just want to stress, this may be the stupidest move by, by a, a, a company I've ever seen. This movie was greenlit at a time when we have escalating political tensions, violence in the streets, and shootings. And they want to make a movie where liberal elites kidnap deplorables. That's what they actually say in the beginning. Slaughtering a dozen deplorables. Wow! We'll read this, but I just want to stress. I want to make sure it's clear first. I believe the protagonist of the movie is a red state Republican type who fights back. I don't care who's the good guy or the bad guy. Wow. Talk about uh, ignorance, poor timing, no, no, no sense of, of, uh, of the, what's happening right now in politics to make a movie like this. It's called Hunting at the Manor. You know what? Maybe this will be a great advertisement to replace it. But let me just stress, this is the kind of nightmarish stuff that's popping up due to ignorance that I think is going to make a lot, everything a lot worse. Let's read the story. Ads pulled from gory universal thriller The Hunt in wake of mass shootings. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. And of course, the best thing you can do, share this video because I assure you, look, the past few days have been rough because of this news. I'm going to talk about it. I won't shy away from it, but YouTube punishes my channels to no end. Look, we are not allowed to talk about things like this on YouTube. They don't want us. They want family-friendly videos. They, want, they would rather I make a video where I throw water balloons at people. That's what they want. They don't want this. But this is important. And YouTube is an effective medium for sharing information and talking about these things. I guarantee you this video will be deranked. I guarantee you it will be demonetized. And that's why I need your support. The most important thing you can do for any one of my videos, just share them wherever you can, because that is how I overcome the deranking. YouTube is trying to make it so people can't see my videos, but if everyone decided I will, I will step up and make sure people do see it, it works. It really does. There were a few days where I didn't mention the share the video and my viewership dropped like 30 or 40%, which says to me, I really do rely on all of you watching if you, if you do like what I do to share. Let's read the news. In the wake of a trio, a trio of deadly massacres, the studio is evaluating its strategy for the R-rated Bloomhouse satire in which elites stalk deplorables. Quote, did anyone see what our rat effer in chief just did? One character asks early in the screenplay for the hunt. At least the hunt's coming up. Nothing better than going out to the manor and slaughtering a dozen deplorables. That's a line in a movie they thought was appropriate to come out right now, especially with everything happened. Pull the movie. Seriously. I mean, look, man. I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not saying the movie should be pulled necessarily. Uh, I'm not saying that necessarily because I'm offended by it. I'm saying it because I think it's going to, to make people, it's going to escalate everything. You know what? Don't pull the movie. I have no idea. I have no idea. Let the movie happen. I feel like it's dominoes falling over. Everything we're seeing just can't be stopped. But I'll tell you what, man, there are going to be people who see this. Crazy people who take it seriously. And they're going to panic and be like, the Hollywood elites are telling us what they think. Let's read on. In the aftermath of mass, shooting, mass shootings within days of one another, shocked and traumatized the nation, Universal is reevaluating its strategy for the certain-to-be-controversial satire. They call it satire? The violent... I, I, hold on. They call it satire? I've watched the trailer for this movie. It's not a satire. There's no jokes. I didn't see anything funny. It's literally people walking around and just murdering each other. The violent R-rated film from producer Jason Blum's Blumhouse follows a dozen MAGA types who wake up in a clearing and realize they are being stalked for sport by elite liberals. Over the August 3rd weekend, ESPN pulled an ad for the film that it had previously cleared, while AMC ran the spot during the season premiere of its drama The Preacher. 
It's unclear whether the ads were identical, but the one yanked by ESPN opened with a sound resembling an emergency broadcast signal. A rep for ESPN parent Disney declined to comment on the move, but an ESPN source says no spots for the film will appear on the network in the coming weeks. The Hunt stars Betty Gilpin from Glow and Hillary Swank, representing opposite sides of the political divide. It features gun, bla- gun blazing along with other ultra-violent killings as the elites pick off their prey. The script from Damon Lind- Lindelof and Nick Cuse, reviewed by The Hollywood Reporter, revolves around third rail political themes, original title, Red State versus Blue State. A studio source says that even before the recent attacks, which left 34 dead in El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, and Gilroy, California, some reshoots were done based on a recent rough cut. Universal and Bloomhouse declined to comment. While one high-level Universal source says the studio has pulled some ads that are beginning to air and appear online for content and placement, others say the matter is still under discussion internally. A major ad blitz on television and the web had been planned for the beginning of September, says one insider. A trailer is already online. I want to I make this point. Even without what just happened, these three incidents, this movie is in poor taste and poor timing, and I feel like we'll only make things worse. But the fact that we just saw what, you know, El Paso and Dayton and Gilroy, Gilroy was, was incorrectly labeled white nationalist, I guess. That's what the FBI is saying now. But we got the far left and far right extremists in, in less than 24 hours. That is proof that this was poorly, is in poor taste and is poorly timed. They're only pulling the ads after uh, the advertisements after the fact. But the fact that those events happen show us we are in no position to have a movie in, it, it, it glorifying in any way the kidnapping and killing of people based on political ideology. But you know what? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe people seeing this will actually make them, I don't know, not like the idea. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think people are going to see it and they're going to think it's, it's a message. There's going to be, there's going to be crazy people. Let's read. Given the fraught political climate, particularly in the wake of El Paso, which was motivated by anti-immigrant bigotry, studio sources say Universal is evaluating its plans in what one called a fluid situation. A high-level insider says top executives want to stand by Blum, one of the studio's most prolific and successful producers, as well as filmmaker Craig Zobel, and see the project as a satire addressing an issue of great societal importance. But this person says plans could change if people think we're being exploitative rather than opinionated. I watched two trailers for this. There was no jokes. Nothing was silly. I've watched satire before. There's obvious jokes in the trailer. The trailers are being presented as a serious thriller, as, as, as a horror action thriller of some type. Nobody, there, there was no slapstick. There was no banana peels. It was literally like a woman grabbing a, a, a sawed off and blowing people's faces off. So they're calling it satire, I think, now because they're realizing they maybe made a bad movie. The Hunt, had, uh, the Hunt made some executives at Universal skittish back in May 2018 when film chief Donna Langley acquired the script and fast-tracked it at a modest $18 million budget. It is unclear whether there were any other bidders on the property, the sale of which was brokered by CAA, but insiders at several studios told THR at the time that they did not pursue it because of the explosive premise. One executive says he didn't even read the script, noting the idea seemed crazy. This is not the first time a studio has been faced with real-life events that rendered a film release more complicated. Following the 9-11 terrorist attacks, for example, Warner Brothers moved back the Arnold Schwarzenegger starer collateral damage and abandoned a trailer that featured a bomb attack in the U.S. 
the 2017 Death Wish remake, was delayed several months in response to a mass shooting in Vegas. And Oliver Stone's 1994 satire Natural Born Killers was criticized for inspiring copycat killings. Certainly, satire can be a dicey genre for studios to pull off. Just ask Sony, which became the target of a 2014 hack blamed on the North Koreans over the Seth Rogen comedy The Interview. It's actually funny because The Interview, my understanding, is kind of based off of what Vice did when Vice went to North Korea. And based on my understanding of what happened, they blamed it on North Koreans, but I don't believe that was the case. I could be wrong, but it's, I don't think it was ever confirmed. The script for The Hunt features the red state characters wearing trucker hats and cowboy shirts, with one bragging about owning several guns because it's his constitutional right. The blue state characters, some equally adept with firearms, explain that they picked their targets because they expressed anti-choice positions or used the N-word on Twitter. War is war, says one character after shoving a stiletto heel through the eye of a denim-clad hillbilly. In the trailer, there is a man who is confused and dazed and wakes up on a plane and he walks up and says, what's going on? Where am I? And she jams her heel in his face and kills him. I don't know what the context is around that scene, except all, all I see is reckless killing of somebody who's considered to be an other. People are starting to consider both sides, uh, the, the, each other to be pure evil. When the talking stops, violence begins. I'm not saying the movie shouldn't happen. I honestly don't know. I have no idea if this should or shouldn't be a thing. All I, all I do know is I expect this to make things worse. I expect this to make things way, way worse. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll just be a silly movie that people will laugh at. I kind of don't think that's the case. They say, employees in different departments were questioning the wisdom of making such a movie in these times, says one filmmaker with ties to Universal. In light of the horrific shootings, is this not the most craven, irresponsible, dangerous exploitation? I agree with that filmmaker. Yes, yes, yes. That point is countered by a Universal executive who says the movie is meant to show what a stupid, crazy world we live in, adding, it might even be more powerful now. I have to disagree. I think this is irresponsible. It's going to inspire. It's going to put images in people's minds of what they think will happen, what they want to happen, what they think should or shouldn't happen. You're going to have people on the left looking at, you know, look, this is made by people in Hollywood. Hollywood is perceived to be far left. You, you show a movie of a liberal elites kidnapping Trump supporters, calling them deplorables and hunting them down. And you're going to get crazy, crazy fringe right saying, this is their plan. This is what they want. Oh, no, it's only going to make things worse. At the very least, it's going to be seen as an insult, as insensitive, and it's going to inflame tensions. But you know what? I'm, I'm conflicted, I guess. Should I say they shouldn't do a movie or should the movie air and let sunlight be the best disinfectant? I'm not one to normally be outraged and demand something be banned or silenced. But you know what? In this case, I just feel like things are getting worse. So I guess from a principled standpoint, well, by all means, make the movie and air it. Let people watch it. From a things are getting to a really scary point kind of mentality, I kind of wish they didn't do this. Anyway, I got one more story coming up for you in a few moments. So stick around and I will see you all in a few moments. Disney is now kind of admitting they have gotten woke and then gone broke as it pertains to Star Wars. They are struggling to win over the next generation of kids. And I think I know why. The Last Jedi was terrible. They're regurgitating, like, okay, The Force Awakens was trash. It wasn't that bad, but I say it's trash because it was essentially a shot-for-shot remake of uh, a, you know, a New Hope. And then you have The Last Jedi, which was so bad, I wanted to walk out of the theater. And the only reason I didn't is because it was Star Wars, and I felt it was culturally relevant. 
But in this video segment right here, the woman says, wait a minute, you mean to say they opened one of the most anticipated like theme parks or whatever about Star Wars and attendance is down? And this guy's like, yup. I wonder why young people don't care for Star Wars. Could it be that over time we developed a pretty like standard model for what is an entertaining story arc called the hero's journey. Now I I admit following the same arc can be kind of boring and dry and people can point it out, but the hero's, I believe it's called the hero's journey is a standard formula. You can add nuance to it and maybe it works when you change it and inject a bunch of Mary Sue's and bad plot lines and bring in bad directors. You have to admit, perhaps you're making trash content. You know, A lot of people said it was fatigue, but people have seen too much Star Wars wrong. I have seen every single Marvel movie, even Captain Marvel, and I do not like that. Or Brie Larson specifically. Ah, the movie wasn't good at all. I thought it was really poorly made. So hey, you know, keep your head on your shoulders, Marvel. The point is, Marvel's also been around for a very long time and has has no trouble getting young people to, to watch these movies. Marvel's done a fantastic job. What is Star Wars doing wrong? Star Wars is an epic universe and a huge franchise. I'll tell you what they're doing wrong. They don't care about the fans. Therefore, they're, they're, look, the extended universe has basically just like been like wiped out. They're doing a disservice to Star Wars and Star Wars fans. And I said this when, after The Last Jedi, I will never see another Star Wars movie. I have not yet seen Solo. I just can't bring myself to do it. I'll admit, like a week ago, I turned it on. It was like on Netflix. And I watched the first five minutes. And then I was like, I just can't do it. I just really can't do it. And now they've got the new, the new movie coming out, I guess, in December called like The Rise of Skywalker. I am definitely not going to see that movie. The Last Jedi was so bad, I do not believe it is, it is physically or, or uh, in any capacity possible, I- imaginationally, abstractly, there's literally no way you recover from The Last Jedi, okay? I've got a great imagination. I think I'm really good at making up stories. I'm telling you this now. No matter, like, okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. No, I'm wrong. There is a way to save Star Wars. Imagine this. The Rise of Skywalker, the third movie, starts. And it starts with a zoom in on Rey's eyes. They're closed. And then all of a sudden, she opened her eyes, sits up, and it's the end of The Force Awakens. And she goes, oh, I must have dreamt that whole thing. That, that whole movie, it never happened. And then she winks at the camera, and they start over. And they act like The Last Jedi wasn't a thing. Let's read the news about Star Wars getting woke and going broke. And I, I will say it's not necessarily getting woke and going broke. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being facetious. I get it. Now, before we get started, head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical uh, uh, address. Of course, the best thing you can do, just share this video. YouTube is deranked independent political commentary like mine, and they're propping up big corporate media. So when you share, it really does help. Bloomberg writes, It's hard to say this as someone who grew up pretending to be Han Solo battling Darth Vader and his stormtroopers to rescue Leia, but it must be said, kids might not be into Star Wars anymore. Yeah, it's called bad writing because Marvel's doing great. Walt Disney Co.'s underwhelming theme park attendance last quarter was the latest sign that the intergalactic saga isn't resonating for younger generations raised on Iron Man and Fortnite. Chief Executive Officer Bob Iger was so sure fans would be blasting through the door that he had instituted a reservation system for visitors to enter Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the new attraction at Disneyland. It turned out not to be necessary. Star, Wo- Star Wars Toys Star Wars, Star Wars Wars Toys sales popped with 2015's The Force Awakens, 
the start of a trilogy that united Han, Luke, and Leia with a new brand, a new band of heroes. It actually didn't. Luke wasn't in it. At the, uh, uh, yeah, he, he, I don't think he, was he in it at all? Was he in the end briefly? But have slumped since. You know why they slumped? The Last Jedi was terrible. I remember all the videos coming out where people are like, wow, this, the toys are all on clearance. Nobody wanted to buy them. They have slumped since Solo, a Star Wars story. Last year's spinoff featuring the backstory of beloved characters utterly bombed. You know why it bombed? The Last Jedi was bad. It made a ton of money because people thought The Force Awakens wasn't that bad. I like The Force Awakens. I call it trash because it was a shot-for-shot remake of, of, of A New Hope, but maybe they'll do better. Instead, the la- so I went to see The Last Jedi based off the movie before it. They made a ton of money. I will never see a Star Wars movie again. Solo bombed. They say The Last Jedi... The second in the new trilogy was profitable, but fell shy of its predecessor's performance. The next installment, The Rise of Skywalker, will have the, will have the very future of the franchise riding on it when it debuts in December. There wasn't supposed to be such a disturbance in the force. Ah, uh, how funny. When Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012 for $4.05 billion, it already had a template for the intricate web of sequels and spinoffs it hoped to create around the Star Wars brand. Marvel Entertainment acquired three years earlier had rolled out a series of interrelated movies with characters who went on to join up in Avengers. Then Disney's most successful ever. The films are supposed to combine with TV projects and the theme parks to create a virtuous cycle where fans get excited for each new iteration and can immerse themselves in the world of their heroes. There was every reason to believe Star Wars would have a similar path. With its endearing droids, otherworldly lifeforms, and minor characters like Lando Calrissian and Boba Fett, who inspired their own cult followings. And since the creation of the original Star Wars series, a beautiful and unique extended universe came into existence that expanded the lore and ignited the imaginations of those fans. I love Knights of the Old Republic. That was an amazing game. There was so much that they could have done. And what did they do? The Force Awakens was basically a new hope all over again. Didn't really make sense. Why is there a First Order? What, what's a resistance? Like, why do they exist? Didn't they win? Did that just erase the victory and now they're struggling again? I don't understand what you're doing. You could have done so much better by introducing a new threat. There was a lot of speculation that uh, um, for a while that people said the goal of the Emperor he was uniting the galaxy because an external threat was coming and he could tell because of force powers or whatever. That would have been a great story arc. Imagine if Force Awakens starts with everybody being like, hey, life is good. And then all of a sudden a new threat emerges, completely expanding the Star Wars universe and then shining light onto the actions of the emperor. Maybe he wasn't completely evil. Maybe he did what he had to do. I don't know. Instead, what do we get? Snoke, no idea who that is. Kylo Ren, okay, not bad. Kind of just a ripoff of Darth Vader. The Knights of Ren, that's interesting. Oh, they threw that one out the window. Talk about trash. Let's read on. Fan sniping. Instead, some of the franchise's most dedicated fans have been sniping at the way Disney has handled their favorite characters from the old movies. And the new trilogy's heroes like Rey, Poe Dameron just haven't inspired the same fervor among young people, with toy sales falling flat around each new installment. The Disneyland attractions, along with a Star Wars land opening at Disney World in Florida this year, are designed as much for older dudes as they are for tykes. But why would I go following the trash that was The Last Jedi? Never going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm also, I'm also disappointed in Fallout, but that's a whole other thing. I just bring that up because I feel like things I used to really like just were completely ruined by people who had no idea what they were doing. They say, uh, I'll, just skip, I'll skip this. 
Iger has attributed disappointing box office figures to Star Wars fatigue, and he's pledged to slow down the tempo of releases. Wrong, wrong, wrong. If you put out a Marvel movie every weekend, I would be at the movies every single weekend. I went and saw Homecoming. Wasn't the best movie in the world, but I loved it. It was awesome to see the Mysterio fight scene. That was amazing how they did it. I thought it was great. Not the best movie in the world, not the best Marvel movie, but I loved the way they did the Mysterio fight scene and they developed the character. It was great. I'm worried about what they're going to do in the future. We'll see what happens. I'm stoked for Doctor Strange coming out when it does. You know, we'll see. But dude, I, w- I would seriously watch. Every- I-, 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 I said I didn't want to see Captain Marvel. I went son anyway. I didn't think it was good. But I'd probably, actually, I don't know if I'd see a sequel to that movie. But I will stress, there are a lot of movies that uh, Marvel could put out. I'd go see. I would go see the weirdest, most obscure Marvel movie if they put it out. I went and saw Venom. That was pretty bad. But they could make a Craven the Hunter film. I'd go see it. Not like the most prolific character, but I trust Marvel to, do, to make movies that work. That's why I went and saw Captain Marvel. As much as I didn't like the marketing and it looked bad, I thought, you know what, though? Marvel does a pretty good job. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. And it kind of didn't. So, you know, it is what it is. But let's, let's read on. They say, oh, they, they, they even say this. That doesn't square with the success of Marvel, which reliably churns out a blockbuster every four to six months. Some people delayed their visits to Star Wars Galaxy Edge because they thought it'd be overwhelmed by tourists when it opened, Iger said Tuesday, channeling Yogi Berra. In other words, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Ha ha ha. Wizarding World. So where are they going instead? One clue could be the rising attendance over at Universal Studios Hollywood, where the Wizarding World of Harry Potter saw an increase in spring break visitors last quarter, fueling sales of souvenirs and butterbeer. But I will stress, too, the Crimes of Grindelwald was trash. Fantastic Beasts was okay. Crimes of Grindelwald was terrible. And now I, I kind of feel like I should make a new channel to talk about cultural stuff like Star Wars because this channel is almost entirely politics, but you know what? Whatever. This is culturally political, and I thought it was relevant. They say, Disney plans to parlay the robust Marvel properties into theme park attractions of their own, but it isn't giving up on Star Wars by any stretch. Along with the rise of Skywalker, the company is debuting a live-action TV series, The Mandalorian, I won't watch, later this year on its new streaming service. The Last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson, is developing a new trilogy. Why? (laughs) And the creators of Game of Thrones are working on a movie. Okay, that's maybe. This may be a hiatus, but Disney spent a lot of money on Lucasfilm, and it's going to keep investing to make it a success. We we build these things for the long term, Iger said of Galaxy's Edge, or as Yoda might say, patience you must have. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Mostly the 90s era stuff. I love uh, Enterprise is my absolute favorite. Then Deep Space Nine, then Voyager. Voyager, is, it's okay, okay? It's not the greatest. Didn't watch Enterprise because I didn't want to see a, a prequel. Don't care for Discovery. Don't want to see a prequel. Now they're doing Picard. Finally carry on with the story of the Star Trek universe, please. Star Trek The Next Generation took place after the, the, the first Star Trek. Maybe, maybe that's an idea. However... I believe they don't understand what truly makes something Star Trek. So I, I like what uh, Seth MacFarlane's done with the Orville. It's funny, it's thought-provoking, and it's kind of like the next generation. And people have actually been mad about that, feeling like he's just ripping them off. Well, you know what? At least he's making a show like that. It's cool. I like that it's funny. I like that it's somewhat serious. I like the sci-fi elements. I like how they try to tackle cultural issues, just like Star Trek did. Seth MacFarlane, spot on, big fan. 
I, I love him calling out the wackos on the Democrat side too. Can't, 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 uh, uh, can't go wrong. Um, I mean, he can. Okay, I'm kidding. But anyway, the point is, maybe something needs to happen where a not Star Wars Star Wars gets made by people who actually like the core idea of what Star Wars used to be. Because it's certainly not a thing that I care about anymore. I am not going to watch any shows. Like, I kid you not, The Last Jedi was so bad, I actually vowed I will never never watch another Star Wars again. You have no idea. And the same is true for Fallout. I'm over it. I'm looking forward to the Outer Worlds. We'll see what happens. But I am not going to watch The Mandalorian. I'm not. Oh, Ryan Johnson trilogy? Just punch me in the stomach right now and take my 20 bucks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, like, I would, I, I would pay you for that instead of seeing that, that trilogy. You're insane. I'll leave it there. You get the idea. Star Wars, get woke, go broke. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast every day at 6.30 p.m. And I will see you all then.